I was trying to produce finished paintings and not falling in love with the work of getting better, trying to rush sort of getting there and the wrong mentality. So then I started saying, let me run towards these things that are difficult. So then I started saying, you know, to, and it made me a better husband. All of a sudden I'm like, I want to do these dishes. I want to do this. It's not because I have a passion for doing dishes or wiping poop off kids' butts. I have the opposite. I want to sit in the couch and eat chips and watch shows or whatever. I don't know, you know, whatever. I don't even know what I would do if, if the worst possible thing, but my urge is to be lazy. But like you said, the joy is in the work. And when I started doing that, started looking at things that way, it made me a better dad. It made me a better steward. It, exactly what you said, that idea of being a steward. These kids are entrusted to me. I am a steward of these children. I'm a steward of this relationship with my wife. That's what I need to be passionate about is that. And the process is the joy. So then all of a sudden I'm doing dishes and we're laughing and we're like doing it together. And she feels a lot better about me as a husband because I'm not some cranky person always complaining about this or that. And the kids are like, wow, this guy likes to be with me, you know? <laughs> you know? And so I really had to change as a person. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. Longtime listeners and readers of my books and podcasts know I draw the analogy a lot to learning and mastering a skill. It's like learning at any skill is like learning to play piano or a sport. You start by playing scales or practicing ground strokes if it's tennis, dribbling if it's basketball. Likewise, with leadership or taking initiative or acting entrepreneurially, both of these are performance arts that you can master. Also, acting and stewardship. People don't get that learning to cook without producing tons of garbage took training from when I started back when I produced a bag of garbage a week. It took time. It took attention. Maybe I should really explain it better, that at the beginning, I really did not know what I was doing, but I kept at it and I kept at it. Some listeners may have heard how I once found but lost a web page of a guy who sketched every day for a year and posted each day's sketch. First 300 days, chicken scratches. Didn't look like anything impressive. Then there was a month of interesting stuff and then beauty. I wanted to show people this page to show how accessible it is. Anything that anyone can master, anyone else can master too, if they train. It takes neither a lot of time nor money if you just keep at it. Most people spend much more time and money watching TV or scrolling social media and instead, they get good at that. Telling a friend about that lost webpage, he told me about Jonathan Hardesty, today's guest. Jonathan posted his years of development, starting from sketches that were really nothing to write home about. You can see how rudimentarily, even remedially, he began. Click the link in the notes to watch that video. It shows his early stuff up until a few years ago. So he still continued to improve past then. The beginning is how everyone begins before they've mastered or even gotten the basics of a craft. Certainly me avoiding garbage. Anyone can access how it ends too, including acting and stewardship. You can master stewardship as well as he mastered making art. That's what you'll hear us talking about in this episode. He's kept going beyond where that video showed, so there's much more to it than that. In this episode, he'll describe where he began and where he went. You'll love how accessible mastery is and how much more you get from it than you expect. Here's Jonathan. Welcome to This Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Jonathan Hardesty. Jonathan, how are you doing? Good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. I hope we capture the magic of the first conversation we had last week or two weeks last week. And actually what we were just saying before hitting record, 
And all right, to the listeners, I'm going to have a link to a video made of Jonathan's work. Jonathan's an artist. Someone, he posts a lot of his work and someone took a lot of his work over the course of, what was it, nine years? I think that, yeah, that, that video could have been maybe six or seven or something, but it was, it was a while. It, it might've been six, I think, yeah. And I'm going to ask him in a second to trace what, how he started becoming an artist, but it starts with his sketches and I hope I don't insult you here, but they're not very good. No, right? no, they, no, they are like, and I, I chicken scratches. You know, what I told you last week was, you know, Napoleon Dynamite is so proud of that drawing he gave to whatever her name was, Trish. You know, and that, I said that's that's my Napoleon Dynamite drawing where I was like, I did all this shading on your upper lip, and it's it's no good. You know? <laughs> it's really bad. So pause <laughs> this audio. Go and watch that video. It's a few minutes long, and it's you will see dramatic changes and. Now, it's important to me, there, I, I want to trace the artist's journey as you experienced it, Jonathan, but I also want to have a lot of people, here's what, one of the things that makes it very important to me. One, if you've listened to my recent podcast episodes, you'll, you'll know that I, I've been singing every day for, mm-hmm. now I'm about two, two months in, maybe three months in, and my singing is, like, I'm at the first couple drawings of your mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. But people keep saying to me, Josh, I can't, you can go without throwing up garbage for a year, but I can't because I blah, 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 blah. And, or, you know, you can not fly, but I can't because blah, blah, blah. And neither could I at the beginning. And no one believes me. They all want to tell me right. you're different. Right, right. You have this thing about you. It's something that makes you able right. to do something that I can't, which, you know, that's the addiction speaking is the way I usually put it. Mm-hmm. But I think that totally. they can see that your very clear journey you started off, I mean, look at the stuff now. And that video doesn't even go to now. That goes up to like right. 10 years ago, I think. Right. And I still feel like, I, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, And you probably feel the same way with all you know your aspirations and everything that you're doing. I, I feel like now I'm in the place where I can kind of start heading towards the work <laughs> I want to do. Yeah. You know, it's taken me that long. So Because the role models keep changing. At first, you're like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I can do anything at all. And then later, right. you start things that were outside your horizon become inside your horizon Correct. and things that were inside your horizon go back out. So as we listen to Jonathan, if part of the reason you're here, well, I hope part of the reason you're here is you want to express yourself artistically. To, I'm speaking sure. to the listeners now. Sure. And I hope also it's to express yourself in stewardship to mm-hmm. others and to see, imagine developing skills in stewardship in the way and as much as Jonathan has in his artistic expression. So again, pause this now, <laughs> go and watch that, then come back. And all right, so Jonathan, I'm, I know you've said this before, but how did you start? You started late in life, I think. I did. And, and something drove you, how did it happen? Yeah, I'd always been artistically sort of, I didn't know this. I didn't really think about it consciously, but I'd always been artistically driven. I'd always think about things in a different way and frustrate my teachers. And that like my, I, my dad said, I would always say to me, he said, what do I do with this? Cause uh, he would get these reports. One teacher would say, John is super engaged and very, you know, like has interesting comments. And then the other teacher would be like, he's disruptive and he doesn't pay attention. And like what I told my dad, I said, well, they're a horrible teacher. I said, they just read out of the book. That's all they do. I said, I could do, I said, I already read ahead four chapters. I was like, I'm way past them. And I said, and when I do well on the test, they get mad, you know, and they just <laughs> hate me having me in there, you know? And the other teachers were like, John's a really heavily, I was like real interested. You know, I wanted to learn. And the, the teachers that didn't want to teach, I just loathed them, man. So 
I always was kind of thinking outside the box. And, and when I was really young, I wanted to be a basketball player. And then I kind of moved away from that, like when I was like nine or so. And then I would just try different things. So I would play guitar. And then I was in a band for like six or seven years. And we were, we were really taking that serious. And like up until about 19 or so, 19 or 20. And we played a bunch of shows on the East Coast. We weren't that great. You know, we were okay. But we did some things that I could be proud of. You know, we made, we raised money went to record. We were there for like a week and a half. We like ate peanut butter and jelly while we were there. <laughs> and it did all that. And um, then my, those same friends and I, like when, when the band was sort of, we were like, yeah, this isn't gonna, you know, we're not, we don't want to do this. Then we said, well, let's do some movies. Like, let's just try to make some movies. So we started filming weddings for people. And we, I, do you remember Project Greenlight that um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did a contest that people could, could do or whatever. Like we oh, entered yes, that contest. Familiar. We did stuff for that. And we didn't, we didn't make it anywhere or anything, but but that was the kind of things that we were doing and just learning the process. And we had all these film books. We were trying to read them and learn how it's done and all this stuff. And so then we dropped, I dropped that at least they, they did it a little bit, a little bit uh, after that. But so I was, I'd kind of always done these artistic things, but I never actually thought to myself, I, I want to be an artist. And, and so like when I was 21 and I was in this crappy office job and the reason I say crappy is not because anything you know, about the job itself. I was just filing and stuff and I'll leave the, the name. <laughs> the place. It's fine, but I just don't want to, I don't want anybody to get mad because I had, I had a really nice boss who was very supportive. It was sort of my same situation as school. And I had a boss who totally treated me like garbage and, and just didn't respect anything. And I was, to be honest, I was very immature when I was there, but I did have a point where I said, okay, I need to invest myself in this. I need to do, do some good. So I really tried to get involved and I said, hey, listen, maybe I could spearhead this project to, you know, change all our files over to digital. It's like it could inter- integrate with this. You know, I said, we could save so much time. I had this whole thing. I said, you guys spend all this time doing research for donors. I said, it would all be integrated. I said, I could start exploring it. I said, if you want me to do it, I said, I'll do my other stuff. I said, but I'll do this at the same. I said, just get options, you know, and and they were like, no, just file. They were like, stop. You know, they literally were like telling me, stop, like, don't you just we just need you to file and. So I thought, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. And and I was looking around and everybody else there that was 40, 45, which is kind of where I'm at now, they mm-hmm. were all miserable. And they're all just complaining. Every day they came, they were complaining. And and so I said, all right, I, got, I, I can't do this. I said, so what am I going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is just you sitting at work kind of thinking to yourself because yes. your brain is not, at, is not challenged at work. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So I would go do my filing and I would sit there and I'd be and I'd get my work done and it was the type of situation there where my boss literally said to me, I said, she said, "Can you tell this person to do this thing?" And I said, "Sure." So I walked over to him and I said, "Hey, you know this." And she said, "Don't go over to them." And I said, "Why not?" I said, "They're right there." I said, "They're right in the cubicle." I said, "They're 8 feet from me." She said, "No, I don't want you to go over and talk to them." She said, "You need to send an email so you have a record." And I said, okay, <laughs> it was that sort of situation where they like discouraged. It, it was, it was crazy, but yeah, there's um, this book, I haven't read it called bullshit jobs. And it sounds like yes. that's what you're. You yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And it's, it reeked of it. you know. Mm-hmm. And I used to get like this sick feeling in my stomach. Like I'd push open. I still, to this day, like I pushed open that door to go into that area and I would just get this sick feeling like I, I'd feel like the acid go up in my throat and like I just ugh. so I knew I didn't want to do that so I didn't know what I was going to do so I literally said all right well I'm 21 you know I said I'm newly married I was like my you know we don't have any kids I was like you know I was like we could do anything I said we could go anywhere we could do anything I said so I'm just going to sit down and decide what would be the best job ever for me for me you know and 
So I wrote down, I took a whole day. I didn't do any work that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just like thought I was just sitting there. People probably came by and just saw me just probably like looking like I was, I was a zombie or something. But, and I thought, you know, okay, I want something creative. I don't want a boss at the time that really, I was like, I don't want a boss, you know, I want to work for myself and, and I want to work from home. And so, you know, when I had a family, eventually I could be there for them and, and they could come in and out of my studio. That's what I imagined eventually, you know, um, which is what happens now that I'll probably get interrupted while we're here, which I love. So it's, <laughs> but I thought about all those things and I wrote them all down and then I looked at it and I said, I guess I need to be an artist. I said, this is what this is showing me. I need to be an artist, you know, and it made sense to me, but nobody didn't make sense to anybody else. <laughs> and so the, the, you weren't filling out some form that you found online. It was just you as a piece of paper and pencil yeah. and just kind of, yeah. and there was nothing in your life at this point. No one had, you said you did some creative things, but it, I take it that no one was right. like, you should be an artist. No. And I, like my brother, my brother did art, but he, and he went to actually the art Institute or um, yeah, it was the art Institute of Philadelphia or something like that. But I never really thought, about doing what he did. You know, I never thought like, I mean, maybe I saw that and subconsciously thought about it or whatever, but I think it's more of a product of we're both sort of made up the same way that, that he ended up doing that. I, I never looked at that and thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Or I never thought I don't want to do that because he's doing that. I just didn't really think of it. And so when I sat down and kind of came to the conclusion, I, I told him and he was like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but he was used to my whole life, like me going from one thing to the next, like every you know, six months, like, I'd be like, I'm going to be an astronaut. And my dad's like, okay, go for it. And then my dad would be like, well, you know, you have to get really good grades and you have to go in the military probably and do this and that or whatever. And I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to be an astronaut, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and then, you know, whatever. So I would go back and forth. So everybody that in my family would think just thought, okay, this is another one of his, his stages. But I, I had realized at that point that everything I had done, and we talked a little bit about this last week, I had realized that I had the same cycle of everything I had done. So I would start off, it was like the infatuation stage, right? Where I do this thing and it was really fun and really new and exciting. And then I do it for a little bit. And then it would start to feel like work after a little while. And the band was like that. It felt like work and we persisted after that. But most of the other things I kind of quit after it started feeling hard. And I thought to myself, well, I must not be meant to do this because this feels like drudgery. You know, this feels like work. And so I must not be meant to do this. I must be meant to do something else. Let me search for something else that I'll always feel like I'm in a fairy land when I'm doing it. I don't know why I was thinking that, but I realized, I said, you know what? This is going to happen no matter what I do. And I said, so I've got to really just decide on something that will fit for me and then push through all that and get to the next level of that thing. You know, so that's what kind of drove me towards art. And then And actually I was working, it was a university that I was working at and I could take um, classes there to get my master's of fine art for free. At this filing job. Yeah, at this filing job. So this was in the development center, which was doing really good work, raising money for cancer centers and all these different things. And they were doing really good work. My particular like small area of the department was not the greatest, but they were doing really good work and still are. But yeah, so I could take that. So I started taking classes there and I was like, this is going to be great. And I could take one, I think one or two classes a semester for free because I worked there or something. I thought I can get my master's. And my, my buddy ended up getting a degree in philosophy that while he was working there, he just, he just did it slowly and got it. And then he got a degree in something else. And it was, so I said, I could do that. But then I started taking the classes and it was not, it wasn't what I wanted to do. There's two different, not really two different schools of art, but there's like sort of representational art. And then there's art that's more about the concept or the idea. 
and they're people usually see them as at, at, at odds, you know. So it's rep- representational and non-representational. I think of non-representational right. as like abstract expressionist and right, yeah. So that so I went into drawing one class thinking, okay, cool, they're going to teach me to draw, you know. And they they were like, just express yourself. And they had like a big sheet of paper. They said, just draw this flower in here. I said, I don't I don't understand. I said, this sheet of paper is like you know thirty by forty. I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. And they said, just draw something. And I said. Okay. So, so I said, okay, so I'm like, just trying to do stuff and it's really bad. And, and then the uh, teacher's assistant said that her master's thesis was she was going to go to Vegas and get married and then get divorced real quick and film it all as a commentary on marriage. And it was like, it was a whole thing. And I was like, I said, you know what, guys, I said, I don't think I'm kind of, I don't really fit with this. I said, I want to learn the craft. And they were like the craft of making art. They were like, they all laughed at me actually. They all laughed and they, cause that, cause I said, they laughed at me at the Academy, <laughs> a super villain in the making. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Totally. <laughs> so then I created this. No, <laughs> that's really funny. That is true. That's funny. <laughs> um, so then I went the other extreme and I said, okay, well, who is like focused only on technique and I can just hit that really hard, you know? And so I found this methodology where it's it's called the atelier method or the atelier method. It's like late 1800s, early 1900s, like a French tradition, like all these artists like Bouguereau and all these guys who paint really, really well. And they're kind of like vapid paintings, but they're done. There's a lot of my artist friends that wouldn't like that I said that, but, but, <laughs> they're, but they're beautifully painted, like amazingly painted. And they're just, but it's just like a girl with a pot or whatever, you know, which is cool. That's fine. But it's like sort of the other extreme. It's like all about the technique, all about that. So I said, I'm going to do this because I want the foundation. I want the fundamentals. And so I found somebody who is teaching that method, but they lived in South Dakota mm-hmm. and they had studied in Florence uh, and, and it was a husband and wife team and they had met and gotten married and they were teaching at the Florence Academy of Art, which was sort of known for that technique. And so I said, they were they had set up shop in South Dakota and they take like four or five students at a time. and so I said, all right. And my wife was like, yeah, let's do it. She said, I'm, I'm down, let's go, you know? And so we went to South Dakota and, uh, <laughs> and like everybody that I knew when I told them, like, especially my in-laws, I don't blame them, but I said, I said, this is the path I kind of want to take. And they said, well, you going to be a graphic artist or whatever? I said, no, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a fine artist. You know, <laughs> they, I'll never forget that. They just looked at each other like, oh, here we go. You know, <laughs> uh, now these are their in-laws. So this is like, this is their son-in-law. Right. I don't know how traditional they are probably thinking he's supposed to be the provider. Right. Exactly. And I think, I think, yeah, they, they saw me as everyone else saw me like sort of as the flighty sort of person, which is so funny because I have that, like you said, I have that whole thread and have that whole stuff about me sticking to this and stuff. But really, to be honest, that was the first time that I had ever really decided to do it and really decided like, no matter what happens, like I'm going to keep taking steps forward. And I wanted to quit throughout the process. I don't even know how many times, like 50 times I wanted to quit or a hundred, or I don't even know. And then I just be like, all right, well, it's another day like this, whatever. Let's just keep going, you know? And it's funny because I'll describe it to students now. And I say to them, I know where you're at. It's about two years into the training with me that I know. Your students, so now you're teaching them. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, my students, great. And so I'll say, look, you're about two years in. I said, I know what you feel like. I said, you're too far from where you started to go back. I said, but you're in the middle of the desert and you're looking and you can't see anything. I said, you just feel like you're taking one step in front of the other. And you're like, am I good enough? I'm, I only have this small set of skills and what can I do? You know, I said, listen, if you want to make, I said, you just got to keep taking the steps forward. I said, I've been there. I tell them all the time. I know. Cause I, I thought, well, now I'm committed. 
now it's two years in, I've been doing this, but I'm not really that good yet. I'm okay. And, but I'm not good enough to be a a really functioning professional. And I'm like, but I can't, if I go back now, I wasted all that time. And I did, you know, so I would have these conversations with myself and I was like, I just got to keep going. I was like, I've done this with everything else in my life. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. You know, it was interesting. All right. I'm going to take your pause here for a second. I'm going to bring people, the listeners back home. Cause I'm listening to you in with bringing two parts of my life to bear. One is that I have all these daily habits that hopefully Mm -hmm. they know about. Like I pick up a piece of garbage every day. Actually, Mm -hmm. now it's more like 10 or 20. Nice. Because of the pandemic, everyone's getting the single serving disposable stuff. Right. right. Then I do my burpees and calisthenics every day. I take cold Mm -hmm. showers all the time. And actually, I just hit my, 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 just like two days ago, maybe a day ago, two days ago, I hit my um, 10 years of posting to my blog daily. Nice. And, you know, I guess I host my site, but someone could do, you could do it on a free site and it could cost you nothing. Right. I, I guess an internet connection. So one, I'm listening, you know, so what has that gotten me? Well, I had columns in Inc. Magazine, in Psychology Today, in Thrive Global. When, and when Inc. said, you know, send us a sample of your work, I was like, how about a few thousand? Right. And like, oh, that's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> but not intense. I mean, like, that's not something to sneeze at. Right. And then, you know, I've, I'm a best-selling author of two books mm-hmm. and, you know, we're talking TV show, stuff like that. And it's, I really could have spent zero on it. Right. And so that's one. And, and I'm not the most expressive person. I'm, I'm not writing to become Hemingway. I'm writing to express myself and explore ideas. When I first started doing it, I thought, when I first started blogging, I thought, you know, I got a couple dozen ideas I really want to get out there. And what am I going to do when I'm done with those dozen? I guess I'll stop blogging. The opposite happened is that it wasn't that I was running out of ideas. I was developing the skill of finding ideas to write about and all these little skills that before, from the outside looking in, I would say that doesn't, that seems superficial, but Mm -hmm. it's what time of day and how do I schedule things? And when I have an idea, you know, I have a file on my computer where I put my ideas and sometimes I come home at night and it's really late and I'm drunk and I haven't posted yet that day. So I got to go to that file and find like a quick one. So right. I can write it without too much, right. you know, mistakes. Right. And then when I was in North Korea, you know, no internet access. So I got to post double for two weeks ahead of time and schedule them out. So they come out on time. Right. So one is, and now, now with a scene every day, if people haven't gone back to my episode on my first podcast episode where I shared my singing, I sent that to you, right? Mm-hmm. And dude, yeah. I wanted to remind me, I want you to keep going, but I want to tell you something that I noticed about the second one. Like it is interesting. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was, when I started singing, I was afraid of people hearing me. And and then the first time I sang outside, even though I wasn't singing to anyone and, and it's New York where people don't, they'll pass you by, no problem. Right. But I still feel like I'm nervous. And now I prefer right. singing outside. Yeah. So, and and it brought me to tears just connecting with Woody Guthrie's lyrics. And, and I had access to this my whole life, but all I had to do was sing a few minutes a day, which I can do while walking and doing something else. I have spent zero on it. And the change to my life is tremendous. And I'm not, I'm a couple months in. Right. That's on the creative and expressive side. And you, mm-hmm. expressing yourself, you find out about yourself. Or at least when I, exp- when I express myself in new ways, I find out new things inside myself. That right. The access is there if I choose to do it. Then there's the environmental things of, like, I just got in from today in New York. Let me check. It is 33 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. And that means that earlier when I was out, it was, it would have been like, you know, below freezing and mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up garbage. When I came in, my thumbs 
were so you know when when the right yes it, i didn't have frostbite but when the blood starts coming back in yes. it's like it hurts yes. Yes, it does. Totally. I know. It's like pins and needles kind of or whatever. Like, yeah. like when it transitions. <laughs> and no problem. You know, I feel fine. I'm acting in stewardship. And it's not like I'm proud of that it hurt. It's just that it's part of the deal. It's, no, it's not right. really anything to complain about. And meanwhile, today, several people thanked me. They're really deeply thanking. And I, I, I held mm-hmm. my tongue. I really wanted to say to them, that coffee that you're drinking in the disposable mm-hmm. cup, the disposable cup, like, where do you think it's going? So right. I don't say that. I just right. say to them, right. I appreciate the appreciation. Right. Yeah. You got to meet them where they're at, at least, you know, some, you know, and then bring them along with you as you can, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so where I'm like to go out in the cold and pick up garbage in the cold, it's not that big of a deal for me now because I've done it in warm weather and in slightly colder weather and slightly colder weather. You just get to a point where it's normal. And, and so people say, Oh, you took a, over a year to fill up a load of garbage. That's impossible. Well, it's it's just listening to you is recalling. I mean, there's a self-expression to. Well, for me, it's my food. I'm not not getting packaged food. I am getting fresh fruits and vegetables. Right. And then I just had a friend over last night, and I was cooking mm. one of my famous no packaging vegan stews. She's like, oh, I can't believe the number of ingredients you're putting in there, and it's so much. And it's, and I'm like. I didn't even realize it because in my heart, I'm, it's still the same four basic ingredients. I put a little variation here and there. Right. She's like, this is really good. I was like, yeah, of course it's vegetables. Right. And right. Yeah. she's thinking what I would have thought, which is right. but vegetables are the things that don't taste good. <laughs> yeah. And it's just step That's by funny. step, day by day. So those are the two things, my self-expression, yeah. then also my mastery if that's the right word of stewardship. Right. right so sorry right. to interrupt, but I wanted to bring people back to. No, I think that's great. I think that's great. No, I think it's amazing. And actually what I wanted to tell you too was I noticed. So when it did the whoosh. So if you, if you guys haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that particular podcast, but you have that whoosh in between the, the older or the original singing that you did. And then mm-hmm. the updated one, you had that whoosh. As soon as the whoosh hit and you started talking in mm-hmm. the second one, I was like, whoa. I mean, I had my headphones on. I was listening to that. I was driving somewhere to meet a friend and I and I had my headphones in and I, I was listening and I was like, so I could hear it really good. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa. I said, when he started talking, I said, when you did, I said, you sounded different. I said, your voice sounded different. Like, like it was subtle, but uh-huh. I said, you sounded like you were projecting in a different way. And it was because I, and it partially could be because maybe you were nervous before or whatever, and you were a little less nervous, but I don't, I think there's more to it. It sounded like, like in terms of your radio voice, like in the, over those two months, like it had gotten a little bit better. I've certainly, another thing is this podcast is at the beginning, I was very nervous about it and I had to have all the questions laid out ahead of time and, and not just having a conversation. Right. On definitely with the, the singing, I now enjoy, you know, here's another thing for people to watch is, is go to any, well, I said this in, the, in that, they would have heard me say it in the, in that episode, but go to search videos for every day for a year and you'll see mm-hmm. the transformations that you can go through. So yeah. I've recognized now two months in, I now see, at first it was two weeks. I was going to do it just for two weeks. Right. And then I re-upped it. And by the way, I did it two weeks because that was the, the guy who does the Italian version of my podcast, the offshoot. Uh-huh. I've appeared on his podcast as a guest. He okay. walked me through my process to act, to share an environment value and act on it. And I chose to sing 
15 minutes a day for two weeks. Yeah. Then later, when all of the podcast hosts got together for our, our, our monthly summit, I thought, oh, I'll keep, I'll keep it going. So instead of 15 minutes, that was too much. So I, I just do one song. And I didn't know how long I was going to do it. I just decided to go. Now I, I don't know when I'll stop. It's too fun. That's awesome. And I connect with people in all these different ways. So I don't want to make it too much about myself, but no, it's I fine, enjoy. It's all related. I, I also know that however inexperienced I sound today, even after two months, way to me advanced relative to the very beginning. See, I know that one day, a year from now, I'm going to sing and it's going to be beautiful. Right. And people are going to say, oh, well, Josh, of course. That's and I'm going to say, listen That's to the right. first thing. <laughs> Exactly. And that was the same thing with the garbage stuff. Yep. It was also, yep. I was also producing tons of garbage at the beginning, but no one believes me about that. They're just like, oh, right. you can do that because you have special right. access or something like right. that. Right. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, so I had talked with you and, and last week. So just so everybody knows, I, I just talked to Joshua quick last week and, and we had been talking about that. And I think a lot of people, even if they do care about the environment and care about things like that, they just like sometimes don't think about it. It's unfortunate. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying I was just kind of living my daily life, getting caught up with what I'm doing with my kids, what I'm doing. And so you kind of shook me out of that. Like when I was doing research on you and when we were first talking and I was looking at, listening to your talks and I was like, I was like, I can do something, but I, but so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I was like, I like that he's doing this. I was like, what am I going to do? And, but in between last week and this one, I found myself like saying like, trying to think too big. And I said, mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. That's what we were talking about. I'm not going to try to save the world. I'm not going to try to do that. I'm not going to have to throw out everything. I'm, I said, I just got to start taking steps. And so I, and actually today I, I went out and did it today. I said, I'm going to start walking around my neighborhood and just cleaning the trash from my neighborhood first. I said, that's what I'm going to do first. I said, I'm going to move into other things I know, but I just need to take steps forward and just start doing something every day. So I mm-hmm. thought, oh, well then... I can take a walk with my wife for 15 minutes right around my neighborhood. Whatever trash I find, I'm going to clean it up and take take that trash. And so I did that. I went out today. It's kind of raining. And I went out and I, I found, I walked around and I found some trash. I was like, oh, there's trash. I'm going to, I'm going to get that. It was like some, uh, some, it looked like from a toy or something, some, some trash. I'm going to take that. But I had to fight that urge of trying to be too extreme because I feel like if I don't, if I don't uh, take it in a, in a measured way, I'll just end up quitting, you know, or and not even really that. It's just, I just wanted to take steps forward. I didn't want to th- overthink it too much. I just want to say, I see this trash. I'm going to go pick it up and start doing that. One of the things that I think is killing people acting is they measure if they should do something or not based on the impact to the world. Right. So if half the people think, or a bunch of people think it's so small, it's not worth doing. And a bunch of others think it's so big, it's too hard. Right. And so- it reminds me of back before I knew how to, how to meet women. I would say, if a woman wasn't attractive enough, I'd be like, oh, she's not attractive. I'm not going to go talk to her. And if she was over a certain level of attraction. I'd be like, oh, I'm so nervous. I can't, maybe someone right. else. Right. So I wouldn't approach anyone and I'm very lonely. And that's what I think people are, they think if it's too small, it's not worth doing. If it's too big, it's not worth doing. Mm, and there's actually right. no middle ground where, now that's if you focus on the scale of it. If instead you focus on internally what you care about, right? then- you can start as big or small as you want. Exactly. You'll keep doing it. Exactly. And you'll share it with others. Like I, I detect in your voice, you're telling me because I influenced you, but I'm sure if you told anyone, you you were not like, oh man, this burden's chore. I got to pick up this garbage. No, no, no. It like it was it was like, oh yeah, I can do this. And one of the things that we had talked about is 
you know, when you had asked, which you ask uh, like people in a, typically you'll ask them, it's what do you, th- what do you think about the environment or what is, what's the specific wording that you would ask? Yeah, people? we're going to do it in a little bit. <laughs> oh, we are. Okay. Well, yeah. wait for that. I won't steal the thunder then, but yeah, let's go back to you at 22 years old. You're in South Dakota. Yeah. Oh yes. So I'm in South Dakota <laughs> and um, yeah, everybody thinks I'm nuts for going there. And actually the people at my job, when I told them, I said, I'm going to leave. And they said, what are you leaving to do? I said, well, I'm going to study in this classical method with just three or four other people. And it's under these two artists and, and we're going to, you know, I'm going to work really hard and I'll have this good set of skills I've done. And they were just shaking their head. They're like, you're going to be back though. You'll be back in six months. That's what they said to me. They'll be back. And I said, well, if I am, that's, that's like people saying to me, like, oh, individual actions don't matter. Right. Right. Exactly. And I said, look, I told him, I said, I, I acknowledge that possibility. I said, I could burn, crash and fail. I said, but the difference is, this is what I told everyone. I said, the difference is when I'm 80 and I'm in my bed, I said, and I can't move and stuff like that. I said, I'll have a smile on my face because I'm like, I tried that. I, I might not have did it, but I at least tried, you know, and mm-hmm. I tried to do something. And I said to them as well, I said, what happens if I succeed? I said, I know what you're saying. What happens if I fail? I said, we don't, you're only talking about that. I said, what happens if I succeed? I said, what, what does that do for me? I know what they're saying it because if you succeed, what does it do to them? And they're going right. to feel like, oh, I could realize my dreams and I'm not. I could clean the world, but I'm going to keep on choosing my own comfort and convenience over you know, the person on the receiving end of the jet fuel or the receiving end of the plastic. Right. Well, it was interesting. It's interesting too. And related to this, I didn't even think about this, but, but related to what you were just saying, there was a girl in the office and she said, you're going to be, you know, be an artist. She said, well, I think that's kind of cool. And she said, I've always wanted to kind of pursue my dream and stuff like that. And I said, well, what, what's your dream? What's your dream job? And, and she said, I, I want to work with people overseas, like, like in Africa, people that have AIDS and stuff. And I was like, I was like, whoa, I said, that's amazing. I said, you should go do that. And she said, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't think I can. And I said, well, do you mind if I ask you personal questions? Cause I, I she was higher up and in the um, office. And I said, do you mind if I, I said, I'm going to ask you, I said, I don't want to step on your toes. And she said, no, no, that's fine. I said, well, how much money do you make a year? And I said, between you and your husband, I said, is it like 400,000, 500? And she said, yeah, like 450,000 or something like that. And I said, well, how much is your house worth? And she said, it was like 700,000 bucks or whatever, you know, 800,000 bucks. And I said, what kind of cars do you drive? Mercedes, this and that. And, and I said, okay. I said, well, look, I said, the good news is you can afford even that house with your husband's salary. If he makes 250 a year or something, I said, you could probably still pay for that. I said, um, or you could move. I said, you could totally, I said, if you, if you sold your car and he worked, I said, that would fund like seven years of you working over there or something. I said, six, seven, eight years. I said, I just like spitballed some numbers. I was like, you could probably get away with that, you know? And, mm-hmm. and she goes, oh no, I can't do that. And I said, why not? I said, why not? I said, that's your dream job. I said, go do it. I said, go do mm-hmm. it. And she said, no, no, I can't. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, that she doesn't think like, I think, you know, cause for me, I was like, well, yeah, I want to be an artist. I'm like, let's go do it. And, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, make my wife drag her along to something she didn't want to do. And thankfully she was like, she said to me, I, I think you can do this. I know you've got it in you to do it. And I can tell you're serious. And, and actually my in-laws, my father-in-law, after I had started on that path, he saw me right before I left for South Dakota, he said to my dad, he's going to stick with this. And my dad said, how do you know? He said, he crossed his hundred hour mark or something like that. He said, he crossed, he said, I've been watching him. He said, he, during family get togethers, he's sketching. I've, he said, I've probably logged watching him a hundred hours. He said, so I'm, he's going to stick with us. He said, he's way past the, I'm going to give it up phase, you know? And, and so he felt better about it then when he saw that I was going to, going to stay. And they're my biggest fans now. That was your father-in-law? Yeah, that was my father-in-law. Yeah. You said before that people said to you, last week you said, people said things about starving artists. Yes. 
Yeah. Was that at this stage or earlier? Or that later? was at this stage and like and later when I was just getting rolling as a professional, people said that. Everybody I meet, I'm like, they say, what are you doing? I say, I'm an artist. And they say, oh, you're not starving. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's the same thing every time. And I say, no, not yet. You know. And then they're like, well, what do you do, Marie? And so she tells them and she says, I do it like part-time. And they're like, oh, you do it part So they kind of have this questioning period where they're like, well, does he actually earn the money? And does he, you know, are they able to, that, there's always that questioning thing. Like, is she supporting him? And, you know, that kind of a thing, which, so what if she, I mean, if she, anyways, but, but there's always that, that thing that happens, but there were a lot of people that said that they said, listen, there's the re there's a reason it's called starving artists and, and you're not gonna be able to make it and nobody can make it as an artist and all that. And so I would, I would actually, I kind of, um, my daughter's the same as me. I can sort of vacillate between I could, I could be very mean if I wanted to be, and I could also be extremely compassionate and stuff. So I kind of vacillate between those two. I, I have a nice, even medium, but I'm capable of like being very, very <laughs> angry or being very compassionate or just turning it off or turning off either one or whatever. I don't know, but I'm sort of like that. But I got, I would get aggressive with people when they would say that, cause it started to make me mad after I heard it about the 20th time. And, and mm -hmm. I said to people, I said, well, what, who do you know that failed as an artist? And they would say, well, I don't, you know, I don't really, I said, do you even know any artists? Like, no. And, they, and I said, well, they'd be like, well, maybe my cousin, he did art. And I was like, did he try to be a professional? No. Did he get training? No. I said, do you know any framers? You know, any museum, you know, curators? Do you know? And I said, do you know? And, and I, and they would say no. And I said, then why do you feel like you can tell me I can't do it? I said, why do you feel you have the expertise to say to me? And, and, and you know, all this, I said, how many galleries are out there? I said, they're full of paintings. I was like, people are selling paintings. I said, there's a way somehow to do this. I said, and I'm not unrealistic. I said, I know I won't be able to go up in the mountains and paint like one painting every six years and, and, you know, expect to, I could probably live off that if I just simplified, but, but I'm just saying I, I was realistic about it. I didn't try to, I didn't think I was going to take over the world and stuff like that, but I just wanted to make a living, earn a living doing it. And I said, that's achievable. Stop telling me it's not achievable. And when you don't even know, you know, so I, I fought that all the time and I used to question them on it and people realized real quick that they're like, okay, I'm not saying that again. It's not like, you don't know what you're talking about. The emotion that you're expressing is for me, when I talk about my famous no packaging vegan stews, mm -hmm. they talk to you about the starving artist. They talk to me about the single mom in a food desert, raising three kids with three jobs. Mm -hmm. Now, none of them are the, that, right? And they, they, right. they want to label me as privileged. And, but everyone who says that is like more privileged than me. And once I'm at lunch, I'm at this, um, what do you call it? A uh, potluck lunch. And I'm sitting next to this woman and she's there with her son. And she's a single mom up in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. I invite her over to a famous no packaging vegan stew. She loves it. She invites me up to the Bronx to teach them how to do it. So when there actually is this, you know, Michael and a right. starving artist, that person is like, this is great. Help me to do what you're doing because this is what helps me. Right. So I think they're really not, probably what's annoying is like they're on this autopilot. Right. Where they, they're not even thinking. Correct. They're, they're just like, this part of the brain gets triggered and that makes that part of the brain think starving. And I'm going to be some, I'm helping him or all right. they think that they're helping, but they're right. really just mindlessly. And it's, it's the addiction speaking. Right. Oh yeah. When I made art a while ago, and I had, you know, I got a couple gallery shows, a solo, so a couple solo things in New York, a museum piece. Nice. So I was going, you know, at the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. So I just go to the galleries and start talking to people at the galleries. 
there and, and the people who work at the gallery, if you just walk in on a you know Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. it's like an intern or someone. Like, right, right, totally. <laughs> so they're being difficult. So one of my one of my best friends, he was starting again at MFA at Columbia when I was getting my PhD, mm-hmm. and he ended up doing something different. But he's like a fantastic artist. Uh, MoMA has his stuff. Oh, nice. So I I tell him about this, and he goes, Josh, how did he put it? Two types of people in the art. Anyway, he says a lot of people want to become artists, and a lot of them don't make it. They don't feel good about that. They don't like that. And so they, a lot of them get into positions in the art world and they become gatekeepers and they become mean because they don't want you to succeed where they failed. Correct. Exactly. It's, I remember, I remember being in, there was a, I had a teacher like that at that university I was talking about when I started taking those classes free. That wasn't the only class I took that drawing one. There was other ones and there was a figure drawing class. And I was like, this is great. I get access to figures. I can be practicing this before I go do my training and stuff. And I remember thinking, these people don't love art. They don't. Because I I said to him, I said, he said, what is that? I did a drawing and I said, well, I was, I said, I was kind of doing something a little bit different. He said, it looks too illustrative. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, it looks like an illustration. And I said, well, okay. I said, I kind of get what you're saying. I'm like, but why are you saying that with such acid in your voice? Like, like an illustration. He's like, well, illustration is like, is the worst form of art you could put. And I said, what? And he said, I said, so everything that like Landecker did that like Rockwell did, I said, even, I said, even a lot of the old painters that were painting like the Greek myths and stuff, I said, kind of they're illustrators. I said to him, I said, in a way, and he said, illustration is like, it's complete garbage. And it was going off. And I thought that it doesn't ring, it didn't ring true to me. Like I thought, so nothing Rockwell did was good at all in any way. Like there's nothing redeemable or all my friends who like at the time who like when uh, I started talking to who do, I don't even know, uh, like concept art for movies or whatever, or do like everybody, there's all different things. There's cartoonists, there's this, there's that. I'm like, so that's not, that's all. And, and I realized it's because of what you said, where he's become sort of this, this gatekeeper and he's not really interested in art and doesn't really like it and doesn't want to take the good from it and doesn't want to learn from other people. It's just, he probably failed and now has this weird system of ideals that he passes on that kind of protect his position of what he teaches. Do you know what I mean? So uh, it's interesting. All these people in in sustainability and they're like, if I say something about population, like, oh, no, it's all about how much consumption people have. And if I say consumption, like, oh, no, 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 it's it's, it has to be this, and they all have like, you know, what you do doesn't right. matter. It has to be. It's only these hundred right. corporations that can control seventy percent of the output, and if they don't change, I'm like, how do you think they're going to change? You think if we don't do anything, that they're going to just spontaneously do something? How about leadership? Anyway, right. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So it's yeah, it's interesting. It, it, just mm-hmm. the parallels between I'm seeing performance art and self-expression in stewardship in in our relationship with nature. Anyway, so so totally. you're you're taking this course. In South Dakota, how long are you there? So I was there for about three and a half or four years. And uh, it was, I worked at this place called Breadsmith when I was there. And it was, and this is interesting too, because we had, we had one car. And so I would have to walk to work in the morning and it gets cold in South Dakota. (laughs) There was one time I had icicles off my beard, you know, uh, that were about six inches off my beard. Cause like the condensation from your breath freezes and then drips down and then it freezes. And it, it, it literally produced like a stalactite on my, you know, <laughs> like aqualung. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
So I would have to walk and I would wear long johns and jeans and all of that, you know, and, and it would still be freezing. So it was good because it was sort of this, like I had to make this like trudge and it was four 30 in the morning, you know, it was dark and it was freezing cold. And, and they always used to have this thing they would show on the news in South Dakota in Sioux Falls. Like uh, they had a, a newscaster had a cup of water and she threw it up in the air. And before it hit the ground, it, oh, it was yeah. icicles, you know, it would shatter. So, <laughs> so they would always show that. Um, and so it was cold. So I, I would go there and work from about five to 12 or one. And then I would go to the studio from about one to eight. And then every two or three weeks, like I'd have one day where I just like crashed and I couldn't do anything. And and my wife would shame me on that day. And I was like, I, I'm just, I'm just going to take a break today and I'll get right back to it. You know? She'd be like, get up. What are you doing? And I, I was like, I can't. I was like, today I can't. And then I'd go back to it again. Cause I would just get to the edge of, of, so I'd be like at my easel sort of, you know, falling asleep or like, you know, I, and it started to be where I would just make mistakes. Cause it's, it really is taxing doing the type of art that I do. And, and you've done some of it. Cause you were, you were mentioning a little bit of it. Like it's, extremely mentally taxing. Like the way I describe it to people is it's very much like surgery, except surgery where, I mean, they probably have to do a little bit of this, I'm guessing, but if it's not a routine surgery, but, but it's, you have to do some problem solving. So you have to look at what's there and you're constantly problem solving. And you're also having to like, so I, every stroke I put down, I have to look and say, is this the right place for it? Is this the right color? What's going to be the edge of this stroke? Like when it ends, like, is it going to relate to the other strokes properly? It, like, what about the consistency of the paint? If I go too thick, it's, you know, is there enough medium? Is there too, too little medium? Or, you know, all these different things I have to think about. And then I have to step back and look at the bigger picture and make sure the composition's still intact. Make sure that you're not losing track and the arm looks weird. And, and you know, it, I mean, there's a bunch of things you have to do and it's extremely mentally taxing. And you'll know a difference between somebody who's a trained artist and somebody who's not based on how often their brush brush is technique wise based on how often their brush is touching the surface of the canvas. The trained artists are standing back and just looking and looking, and then they'll make a stroke and then they'll step back and they'll be analyzing, 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 and looking. And you'll see them like turning their head and stuff like that. And you'll see them, they're going through, they're flipping in their mind okay, is this in the right place? Then they take off that set of glasses and they put on the set of glasses for color. Mm -hmm. And then they take off the other set of glasses. That's what you're doing mentally constantly. So it's taxing, man. So that, I don't even remember a lot of that. Like we were there for four years. I don't even remember a lot of it because I was just exhausted, Mm -hmm. but I just was like, I'm going to get there. And and some days it was really bad. Some days I, I ruined my drawings or I didn't do a good job. And, but I was committed to go getting in there. I was getting in there on a regular basis until my body would revolt sometimes, you know, and then I would just go back to it. But there was another kid that was young that went in there. He adopted like a military sleeping schedule. What took me like three years, he did in like eight months Mm -hmm. because he slept like four hours a night and would just get up. And he was, he was like a, he seemed like the Navy SEAL of the art world or whatever. (laughs) That structure that I think people think of that, that's another cliche of like starving artists is like unstructured and, and, right. you know, I don't know, have you read uh, the war of art by Stephen Pressfields? No, oh, no, that sounds interesting though. Yeah. He, the war of art, I got to write that. Oh, he, he was a guest on the podcast and he, he personifies or anthropomorphizes the resistance. He says the resistance mm-hmm. gets you it, like, it makes you not want to do things. It makes you say, Oh, that's good enough right. and not finish it. Yes. And when you get yes. past that, you become the professional. And the Correct. professional is like you, 
you do the job, you show up, you know, you don't that's know right. if you're going to get it well this time or whatever, but you show up and you do it. And totally. that's an artist. That is an expressive person. Someone who you show up, you do it. And I don't know about you. I'm people. Oh man. I was listening to an episode I did with my mom and she's like, I don't have a passion for not flying. Like you do. I'm like, I don't have a passion for not flying. <laughs> I have a passion for caring for the people who are at the receiving end of the, of the jet fuel right. coming out the back of the jet. That's a passion right. for, you know, stewardship, do unto others. Right. And right. that responsibility is not a burden or a chore, but right. it's that sense of service is much more, it, it creates meaning and purpose beyond you know, that right. bullshit job that you had. Certainly beyond like, right. the comfort and convenience of, I mean, now and now that I've, I'm into it as long as I have been of not flying, I think of if I go to another country and visit there, even if it's for like six months, I'm going to the zoo. I'm just looking at them like, oh, look at how they do things here. Isn't that amazing? Right. And right. if I eat the food there, I'm eating something local to them. Right. I defy you to find people within in New York City who are right now eating turnips and radishes and parsnips. <laughs> That's local food here, but they don't right. eat local food here. Right. So I, I feel more connected to people because by eating local food here, for one thing, I'm eating stuff from a local farm. It's not shipped all across the country. And it's actually incredibly mm -hmm. delicious, turns out. Right. Because they take care of their stuff. They have passion too. And it comes out in their, in their stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I can taste that. There is that non-taste part of just like the knowing I've been yes. in the fields talking to the farmer. They yes. know me. I'm the guy who's like, yep. can you send extra habaneros this time? Because no one else likes them. And right. I want as many as, I'll take right. as many as I can get. <laughs> right, right, and they're like, oh, it's the pepper guy. There are yeah. lots of other ways that they know me too. <laughs> right. Because when, when some stuff is really good, I email them. I'm just like, I have no idea what happened here, but this eggplant is like, I've never tasted anything <laughs> like it before. That's awesome. And they know I like the, um, the Brussels sprout stalks because that stuff is edible. And most people, I'm like, send mm -hmm. extras of those. I know no one wants them. And <laughs> they are good. Yeah. And I'm, it's not a burden or a chore. It's, it's connecting me more. And in fact, it doesn't just connect me with the people in Thailand where, you know, that's my favorite, my favorite cuisine, mm -hmm. but it connects me with the people in, in Senegal and, and in Costa Rica and everywhere where they're eating local food because I'm eating local food here. Totally. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting. I'll share with you kind of like, something that happened to me during the process. So during the process of, of studying art and, and then getting to that point. So we started having kids after I was done with my training, but then I was, I, I realized I thought the training was going to be the hard part and it was the hard part, but the really hard part was then beginning as a professional mm -hmm. and kind of eating crow every day and realizing I'm making, you know, whatever, $4,000 a year for the first year or something, mm -hmm. you know, and having to figure it out. And I was on my own at that point. Like there was no pre-programmed path. There was no, I just had to figure it out. I was like going through a jungle, like cutting a path, you know, and, and my teachers were not, they were, they weren't good in that regard. Like now I talk a lot with my students about the, what path do you want to take? How do you want to get there? Let's, let's plan that. Let's like have a strategy for that and things like that. They didn't do that with me. So they were just kind of like, just do, you know, just paint and, and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. um, I had to kind of figure a lot of that out, but, but during that process, it was a really tough time just trying to problem solve and try to figure out what I should do and become a different person so that I could succeed. I had to change my habits. Like you were talking about change things about myself to get there. And 
I realized that that sort of coincided with how I was functioning as a dad. So I was looking at changing diapers and sitting down and playing a game with my kids and stuff like that. Like not all the time. I mean, I wasn't like a, a horrible dad or whatever, but, but I would look at that and be like, oh, you know, like, oh, another, like, th- like they would say, hey, can you come play, you know, Candyland with me or something? And I'd be like, oh, Candyland again. You know, I don't want to play this again. That kind of thing. Sort of like the cry of every parent. You know, there's things that are just frustrating. But I realized I was like, wait, I said, this, the work, is the reward. Like I kept thinking like, oh man, it's going to be great when they're older and they can do this for themselves or I can talk to them or I, or they can thank me for things. Really, that was what I was kind of thinking. Or they can, you know, I, I had all these like ideas about how good it was going to be at, at later, later, not now, not mm-hmm. now. And I realized, I said, this parallels the problems I have in my artistic endeavors as well, because I was, I was not, I was not falling in love with the work. You'd be surprised even after all that time, like, I was trying to produce finished paintings and not falling in love with the work of getting better, you know, and I, and trying to rush sort of getting there and, and the wrong mentality. So then I started saying, let me run towards these things that are difficult. So then I started saying, you know, to, and it made me a better husband. All of a sudden I'm like, I want to do these dishes. I want to do this. And it's not like you said, it's not because I have a passion for doing dishes or wiping poop off kids' butts. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I have the opposite. <laughs> I, I said, I want to sit in the couch and eat chips and watch shows or whatever. I don't know, you know, whatever. I don't even know what I would do if, if the worst possible thing, but I would just, that's my urge. My urge is to be lazy. But like you said, the joy is in the work. And when I started doing that, started looking at things that way, it made me a better dad. It made me a better steward. It, exactly what you said, that idea of being a steward. These kids are entrusted to me. I am a steward like of these children. I'm a steward of this relationship with my wife. Like I, I, that's what I need to be passionate about is that. And the process is the joy. So then all of a sudden I'm doing dishes and we're laughing and we're like doing it together. And, you know, she feels a lot better about me as a husband because I'm not some cranky, you know, person say, always complaining about this or that. And, and the kids are like, wow, this guy likes to be with me, you know, <laughs> you know? And so I really had to change as a person. And I feel like that growth of pursuing that artistic process gave me sort of the tools I needed. And I started saying, why am I applying all this in art? And I'm not applying this in every other area. Like I'm hitting it so hard. I'm coming up with exercises to get better at ellipses and I'm doing this. And I'm like, why can't I do this with my kids? Why can't I do this with the relationship with my wife? Why can't I do it with the environment? Like you said, and you know, it's, you start realizing and that's where the joy is. And you don't really know, you don't really know what is, what you're going to get from it. It's almost like opening a present when you do that kind of work, because you don't, you think, you know, what the end result is going to be and where you're going to get joy from it. Like you'd singing every day. You, you would think like, Oh, maybe I'll appreciate art more. I'll appreciate singers more. And I'll, but you never, probably would have thought about like the deeper side of it. Maybe, I mean, maybe you would have, but I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's surprising outcomes when you pursue the work and you fall in love with the work. Like you, you start to see the world differently or something. I know, I know I can say this to you and you know exactly what I'm saying because you're experiencing it and you're Mm -hmm. doing it. So everybody focuses, like you said on, well, you just don't like to fly. (laughs) I'm not, you know, or, or John, you like changing diapers. Like I'm not a diaper person. And I'm like, I'm not a diaper person or whatever. I'm not a, I'm not a board game person with my kids or, you know, or it's not about that. It's about 
pursuing them and being a good steward, like you said, and, and the work then becomes enjoyable. You change your perspective on it and you start to crave that then. Then you yes. start to crave yeah. that and you start to like survive on that. So then I, you know, then I started saying, all right, well, later on in my life, I said, I want to run towards the work. I was like, I'm going to go do MMA. So I told you before I started doing MMA. And to me, the reason people ask me, they're like, why do you want to go get punched? And why do you want to go get smashed on the ground? And it is fun after you get used to it. It is fun, but for me at least, but I like it because it's a constant reminder of that concept of how comfort is a slow death and pursuing comfort first and foremost is going to make you, I mean, even if you, even if you're thinking about it selfishly, it's going to make you unhappy. You know, it's going to make you unhappy. And I, I say to my kids all the time when I'm disciplining them, I say, listen, I say, what do you see when, when there's kids in the store and, and they're yelling at their mom, I hate you. And I said, and what did the parents say? And, the, and my kids have said, well, they, they're usually trying to give them things. And what can I get for you? What can I do? What can I give you? What can, you know, I said, and they hate them for it. I said, they hate them for it. I said, I'm going to have the hard conversations with you. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to do that in a nice way. You know, I'm not going to abuse them or whatever. I said, but I'm going to challenge them because I said, because that's how I show I love you. And I don't want to do that. I don't want you because you're going to end up hating me. You'll hate yourself, you know? So it's, it's fascinating how it, how it bleeds into everything. And so your process, uh, like when you started talking, I was like, this is exactly how I felt when I was pursuing art. And I understand exactly what you're saying. It's, it's, a, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I want to bring you on partly because I enjoyed the conversation last week so much. And also because I think yeah. it's more accessible for people that they can visually see your progression where was the South Dakota in relation to that video? That video was due to the time period. Yeah. Yeah. So on the video, when you see, you'll see at the beginning, it, it is fairly, you know, sequential in, in terms of time that video is. So at the beginning, you'll see like these, like the very first thing I did was this portrait of self-portrait. Portrait is like a, a generous term there, right? <laughs> yes. And then the other one I did I don't know what, I mean, I did two up front and they look like completely different people. And it looks like a different skin tone. It looks like, I mean, it looks completely different. And so I don't know, I, I don't know what I was doing, but, but yeah, so the beginning of that video is probably in about 2002 or so when I was, before I went to go train. Mm -hmm. So you can sort of see the progression in the video, me just trying stuff on my own and sort of trying to figure it out. And then the training comes in and it was like, eh, it was still kind of crappy at first, but then all of a sudden, like, two years into my training, you'll start to see the images. You'll see these drawings that, that I, I'll never forget the day I sent home this drawing and they would, what they would do is take a plaster cast in this particular type of training mm -hmm. and you hang it on the wall and you light it in a way. Like that the arm. Stays, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the arm. Yeah. Where you light it in a way where it's very consistent, where it doesn't change. So you block off the windows and stuff. So this is helpful for the student because the lighting's not changing all the time. The consistency. Yeah. The consistency. So you can, you can compare back and forth. And then you put on the wall your drawing board and your paper there. And then the goal is not to make it look good. The goal is to make it look exactly like that. So in other words, if somebody's looking through a hole in the wall, like a, somebody was looking in the building, they might think that yours is an actual sculpture, ideally. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. And the point of that is not that that's, that's, what make great, that's what makes great art. You know, that isn't what makes great art. The adherence to making it look, it's, look super real or whatever. But the whole point is to get you to a technical level where you can control all that. Then you mm -hmm. can go to whatever level you want. It's like being a musician. It doesn't mean- You're playing scales. You can't bend a string. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean uh, you can't like bend a string. Practicing dribbling and, and basketball. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So I'll never forget when I sent home that first cast drawing that was good, that I felt good about. I sent it home and 
they said, oh, we didn't know you were sculpting. And I said, I'm not sculpting. I said, that's a picture of my drawing. And then I sent them a picture of the, uh, of the um, setup and they were like, whoa. And all of a sudden then the tone changed. It was, and even that, there was so much more to learn beyond that. That was just sort of the technical exercise, like learning your scales really well. It was something like that. But, but to them, they were just blown away. They, they, they never dreamed that I could do something like that. And, and so then from that point on, everybody started being a little bit more invested and say, wow, I guess he could actually, he might actually be able to pull it off, you know? <laughs> Am I right to say that anyone who did what you did could get those results? Totally. Totally. I think very rarely there are people who, for some reason, it's same thing with singing. There are people who, for some reason, you'll play back their voice and they won't be embarrassed and they won't know why you are saying it's not right. It's very rare to meet someone like that, that truly can't hear that their voice doesn't sound good when you, when you record them and play it back to them. You know, they're, they're like, I don't know what you mean. It sounds the same as this person's singing. There are people that are like that. Mm-hmm. So there's people that are sort of that like, tone deaf. And, and, but it's very rare to meet someone that's actually like that. But I have met a couple of people in my life, maybe one or two that literally couldn't tell the difference when you, I'm like, listen to this singer and listen to what you did. And they don't know the difference. And there's been people like that artistically who don't, I will say, well, you see how this line is a little bit curved and yours just looks very blocky or something like that. And they don't see it. They literally can't see it, but that's so rare. And people have always asked me this. They say, well, how much is talent how much is learned. And I always say it's way there, there might be some there, you might have to have some intrinsic talent or something like that, but you certainly don't have to be a professional. Maybe you have to have something, but you certainly don't need a hardly any intrinsic talent to be good at something and to get benefit from it and to learn from it and to actually be able to appreciate it and to have a respectable amount of ability in something. But I, I want to say I want to say that anybody can do it. That's like my urge, but I just Mm -hmm. feel like, well, maybe I'm not right about that. But, but I really do want to say that because I just, I almost feel like the people that have quit, it's just either because out of preference, like they didn't want to be an artist. They realized they didn't like it or, or they just, or they just gave up. They just gave up. And, and, you know, they think like, like you said, they think that somehow magically I got from point A to point B, but see, they can't. Then when I send them to that thread online of all that stuff, then they're like, oh, well, okay. You know, yeah. they, they can't deny it, you know? So interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I think people have a lot of defenses. Uh, I, yes. I see people, of course, myself as well. Me too. Me too. Actually, you heard me say on the, on the early thing where I said the thing about going to Live Aid when I was a kid, that I, um, I went to this all day concert in Philadelphia and I couldn't talk for like three, four or five days afterward. My voice, mm. I, I'd just been screaming yes. the entire day. Yeah. I heard you say, yeah, I heard you say that. Yeah. Now my voice doesn't get like singing one song or 15 minutes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. My voice would be really hoarse at the end. I'd have to drink water every, every couple of breaths. Mm-hmm. And now it's not. And I'm like, I think I was just, I mean, there's probably some tension. There's something, probably, I don't know, but I had my excuse. Oh, you know, right. I got scar tissue. I'm right. sure. You know, when I'm dead, right, they'll probably right, go right. and they'll see the scar tissue and they'll be like, well, right. that's why. Right. Bull effing S. <laughs> that was just my... My addiction right. speaking, my right, and you, you want to protect yourself too. Yeah. Like it's it's hard because it's like a natural thing. Like you just, I dealt with that. Like when people first started critiquing my work, and people start critiquing your work, and you put so much time into it, and then someone comes in and in five minutes just, and the worst is when it's dead on. When the when the critique is dead on, 
and you spent 20 hours or something and you're thinking, I didn't see that. And now this whole, it was all a waste. Everything was a waste. And so you kind of want to protect yourself. So you, you start to, no, that's not that big of a deal or that doesn't, you know, and, and you start playing that game where, where you, where you can sort of push it away and, and it's natural. It's totally natural to feel like that. You have to conquer yourself in all of those situations before you can move forward. It's very, uh, it's, it's tough. I, I totally get it, man. I, if I, if I were singing now, like I've done singing in the band and stuff like that, my voice, actually, what's interesting is at MMA, my voice got messed up too. My, somebody was choking me and it was like, and, and I heard something crack and I said, well, that's not good. And I lost my voice for like about a month or like it was hoarse for like a month. It's, and it's lower now. So now I'm, I'm way down here and I used, I could never get there before. So now I'm for sure a baritone, but I was wondering, I was thinking, oh man, am I going to be able to to talk, you know, to my students and be able to do all that. But it, it built back up with, with practice and stuff like that. But now I would see myself using the same excuse. I'd say, well, I used to be able to sing better, but this thing happened to me and, and <laughs> I could totally see if I was doing that. And I'd be nervous to do that too. I'd really be nervous. And to sing outside, that would be, that would be tough. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should go do it because it's, it feels scary to me too. Now picking up garbage and, and singing go together pretty well for me because I can do them at the same time. It's awesome. Oh, I, there was something I forgot to mention when you were talking about South Dakota and the cold. There's one guy, a podcast guest, uh, Jethro. He's a friend of mine. He he's also has a podcast. Uh-huh. He's the only person who contacted me and said, I've been listening to your podcast. I want to be a guest and I know what I want to do. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Uh, he's a K to 12 school principal. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell him, don't tell me until, until we're on what the challenge is going to be. Oh, I like that. I like that. So his yeah. challenge was for one school year, he was going to ride his bike to school and back every day for the school year. Nice. Not drive. Sounds interesting, right? I love it. Where does he live? Fairbanks, Alaska, minus 40. <laughs> so some issues are that if you inflate the tires indoors, PV equals NRT, the temperature drops, the pressure drops. Right. You have to reinflate the tires when you go back outdoors. Oh gosh. And that's the sort of, and he's like, he's not like a particularly fit guy. He's just a regular guy. Right. And it's fun to listen to him talk about it because he's, I think he's on purpose acting like no big deal when right. it's got to be a big deal, but maybe yeah. it really is no big deal. <laughs> Riding a bike in minus 40 weather. That's hardcore. That's, that's hardcore. That is. I mean, I- well, it does seem hardcore, except your art is hardcore. Right. Right. It, right. It's not for you anymore. And for him, right. Living in Fairbanks is like, that's living in Fairbanks. Totally. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's the thing. It's very interesting too, because. I feel like, and you may feel like this too, pursuing art in that way, pursuing it at that level, sort of unlocked the key for me about what it means or, or, or the methodology that it takes to be good at anything. So instantly, I understand, like when someone is successful at something, I feel like I understand what you went through to get there or what that person went through. So I will say to people all the time, because I hate, I hated it when I first was, I, I don't mind now, it's fine, people they say this, but they would always say, oh, you're so talented. And I always, Mm, I always didn't like that. I didn't like, like, because I wasn't, and I don't think I am now. And actually I tell people this all the time. I say, I think it takes me twice as long to get concepts and to move forward artistically. And I, I really, I still think that, but I'm just willing to take the time. And, and I, it takes me longer maybe than other people, but I eventually get there. And my dad always used to say to me, he always used to say, John, my, or my last name's Hardesty. So he would always say Hardesty. He said, we, 
as hard as he's, he's like, we're not super talented. He said, we're kind of peasants. He said, but we just won't quit. He said, that's, that's who we are. He said, we keep plotting. We keep moving forward. He said, we're plotters, John. That's what we are. He said, that's what you come from. He's like, my dad was the same. I was the same. He said, we're just plotters and we just keep moving forward. I would pull up and see my dad out there. He's 70, he's 76 this year. Yeah. This coming up 76 this year. And uh, he was, you know, when we were in Pennsylvania, he'd be chopping wood. I was like, dad, I told him one time, I said, you probably, I said, just call me. I said, just call me if you need, if you need wood chopped and this and that. And, and he said, he said, nah, I'll do it, John. He said, what, what do you think is going to happen to me, John, if I stop? He said, what do you think is going to happen? He said, if I stop doing stuff, he said, I'm done. And I said, well, I know you're in pain. I said, I know because he had all these um, different injuries and different things. And, and he said, yeah, but I'm, I, it'll be 10 times worse if I stop. He said, I'm not stopping. I got to keep going forward. You know, I got to keep, keep doing this. And so that's sort of, he's, he just, two years ago, he did how much, six jumps, uh, skydiving jumps. He said, I'm going to do some skydiving jumps. And, and he'd always wanted to do it. And he said, well, I got the time now. I might as well do it. And, and he, I mean, he got to where he could jump himself or however many it takes to jump by yourself. He was jumping by himself. So he went up there and did that. And so he's that type of, that type of person. And why not? He's like, why not? And he was fine. Did his knees hurt when he hit the ground? Yeah. His knees hurt when he hit the ground, but he slipped. And I wanted the one I was there. He was like, my knees aren't the greatest. So he slipped and like landed on his butt. He's like, whatever. He got up. He said, let's do it again. You know, <laughs> There's a great quote uh, during the Montgomery bus boycott. This woman, Mother Pollard, I think was her name. She's in her seventies. Mm-hmm. Someone asks her, aren't you tired? All this walking when you used to take the bus. <laughs> yeah. And she says, my feet's is tired, but my soul is rested. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's, what's, what's valuable. I, I, people talk about efficiency. I'm like, say, say the things you're val- the things you really care about. You're not trying to make them more efficient. You don't speed read your kids, children's books. Right. Right. Exactly. And I, and people are like, Oh, how much time do you spend cooking? Because they think I spend a lot of time cooking. Because when someone comes over, I do because I make a show of it. And right. I'm, I'm explaining them, like, here's how right. pressure cooker works. And here's yeah. where, you know, yeah. where to get the food and stuff like that. But when I'm on my own, like I'll do it between sets of when I'm working out. And right. it's actually in zero time. Yep. And then yep. when I, that's to cook the thing. But then that's seven, 10 meals worth of, you know, the stew totally. lasts for many totally. meals. So the next meal is like 30 seconds prep time. That's right. That's but they right. want it to be, you know, oh, I can't do it. They don't recognize the joy. It, it's interesting. Oh, oh, uh, sorry. I, oh, gonna, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. My, that conversation with my mom, I was listening to it again recently. And she's like, she thinks, like, she hears me say how joyful this stuff is. And she's thinking, like, uh, me thinks he does protest too much. She's thinking, I'm saying, <laughs> she's like, it's valuable. We need people like you and Greta who deprive themselves. Right. And right. she thinks that I'm saying that right. I like it because right. to convince people. And right. she doesn't believe me. She thinks right. I'm lying. Right. My mom thinks I'm lying. Right. And she says this. Right. Right. And, and it's the same. It's the same with me. It's, it's, well, you're doing MMA because you like hitting people and you like getting hit. And I'm like, no, that is not, no one likes to get hit in the gym. No one wants to get punched. No one there likes to get punched. That's not why we do it. And there's a different mentality and, and we have, we want to push ourselves. We want to constantly be humbled and also deal with when we humble someone else. And we want, we want those things. That's what we want, you know, and, and we want to push our bodies to a level that we're not used to pushing them to. And we don't want to become super comfortable. And, 
And you just know. We don't want those bullshit jobs. Right. Exactly. It's we don't like, want to be sitting there doing filing until 40 and, and when saying, why don't you do that, that the life dream of yours, you have the means to do it. You have more means than anyone. Exactly. I mean, exactly. you described a person in a situation that she has more means than virtually anyone who's ever lived. And that's an anchor for her. That's right. It's that's po- right. I thought, the, the, why do we work so hard if not to liberate ourselves, but she's right. working so hard to entrap herself. Totally. Totally. And, and yeah, it's, it's sad too. It, and, and you start to realize, and it's, it's like you said, you said people think you're weird for wanting to be a good steward of the environment. I mean, I don't know anybody from any walk of life for, like you can go all the way to at any end of the spectrum, unless somebody is a sociopath or something, I don't understand how they would have an issue with that. Like, why would someone say that's a bad thing? You know, you know I, I don't, I mean, I don't get it. Oh, there's an answer to that. <laughs> so they don't have to change, right? I mean, I yes. guess, I because guess that's it. If I do that, then I'll realize how long I've been putting off doing this and how long I've been hurting other people for my own selfish reason, for my own comfort. Right, right. And yeah. I don't want to face that. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, see, I guess this is what's so funny is, like I said, I was first to admit when, when you started talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah. I thought to myself, I'm not thinking about the environment at all. I'm not. Like I just, I realized my day to day is not, and that probably seems weird for you, especially if you're, if you're thinking about it a lot, how someone would do, but I realized I was like, oh, this is a good wake up call. Like this is really good. And I want to be a good steward. I want to do that. So now I'm faced with this information. So I have two choices now. I got two choices. I can like shrug. I like internally, I know that's a good thing. So I can either shrug it off or I can start. Well, let me start taking some steps there. I'm like, this is good. I need to take steps there. You know, it's kind of like realizing, oh my gosh, you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm, I'm unhealthy and I'm ruining my body or something. And you, I mean, at that point you have two options. You can get rid of the mirror, <laughs> you, you can get rid of the mirror or you can never look at yourself again, or you can do something about it. And it's the same sort of thing. It's you, you saying what you're saying is a mirror. And so I can choose to, and I'm not, I'm not like, again, this is why I love MMA because this huge dude with massive legs is about to kick me in sparring. It's like, what are my options? I can pretend like I've got some injury and uh, go off to the side and be like, oh, you, you, I'll get you next time, you know, or something. Or I can step right out and face it. And then I realize at the end, I'm like, I'm not dead. Like, yeah, I'm not dead, you know? And, and so it's the same sort of thing where I feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I don't know. But I said, I can walk around my neighborhood and pick up trash. And I'm like, that's going to lead to other things. And that's going to lead to this. And that's going to lead to that. And so, so I appreciate it. Like, you know, and after you've, after you've gone through a struggle and come out on the other side, understanding that the work is the fun part and the work is the reward, then you're not afraid of someone putting more work in front of you. You're not, because it's like, it's like uh, when I had my third kid, I had a friend of mine ask me, he was a very intelligent person. He said, why do you have kids? And he had kids. He had three or four. Cause I said, Oh, you're having another kid too. And, and he said, yeah. He said, why do you have kids? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I told him, I said, I, I said, I, I honestly, I said, I, I, I enjoyed them. I said, and I, he's like, you probably should answer that before, you know, you have another kid or, or whatever. And I said, I really should, I should have answered that before I had my first kid. But I realized I was like, and the, the conclusion I came to was just to not serve them when I say serve them, I don't mean like spoil them. You know what I mean by that? But I'm saying my, it's to be a steward of them and to, 
that act of service. That's why I have kids to pour into them. That's why. And that changes things that when, when it's, I want an expression of my love is my wife. I want someone who comes from my genes or whatever. I don't know, whatever, you know, but when I started to say, no, you know, I want to have kids because I want to pour into them. That's when it's like, okay, well now this is flipped and this is, this is different. And so, um, anyways, getting to that mentality, once you, once you realize that when you face something like this, it's overwhelming to me. Like, I feel like, oh man, I'm doing all these other things and I have all these other challenges artistically I want to do. This is what I started fighting in the past week. And I said, John, stop doing that. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Like, what am I going to do? How can I change that? I said, just go pick up some trash. <laughs> you know? And so I appreciated you saying all that because I can do that. I can do that. And then that will lead to other things, you know, and, and I'll keep rolling with it. So I love it. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act, and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Well, let's do the process now. Yeah. And But I, I want to table, because I, I want to get back to your art experience. So next time we speak, mm-hmm. let's make sure that we cover... I want to hear what it's like when you started, when things started falling into place and you started... Yeah. I, at some point, you must have recognized you're qualitatively different than you were before. Right. And you're, you're not just like working on technique. I, I presume that once you chunk the technique to a lower level and you can, you take for granted that you're going to mix the colors right or whatever. Right. Right. There's an interesting story about that transition too, that I'll tell you what, like there's a couple of cases. Let's go for that it happened. now. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Sure. So there were some paintings that I made that didn't sell. And I had to kind of, I was kind of asking myself, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe there's something, there's some reason they didn't sell or something like that. But then I started to really turn it inward. I started to have other reasons, but I started to say, well, maybe there's, maybe I'm not making the work that I want to do. And I started looking at my work and, and, and asking questions. And there was a guy online that was a total troll and was saying, he said, your work is completely lifeless. And, you know, it's just, you te- like technique and all that stuff. And all these people were like bashing him, like defending me. Mm-hmm. And so I got in there and I said, you know what? I said, I, th- I thought about what you said. I said, I don't know what your intention is. I said, but I think you're right. I said, it's very cerebral. I said, and there's nothing of myself put in there really. I said, I'm not really saying anything. And, and I said, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I said, but, and this has been like a four or five year process after that, that's led me to here where I'm starting to define kind of what I want to do and starting to get some ideas, but I gave it time to, to ruminate and stuff. Cause like I said, I I have it. My idea for my journey is like a 50 year journey, like Mm -hmm. 60 year, not, not 10 years. And I'm giving it time to kind of, I've explored a bunch of things, tried different, different styles of art and stuff, but it was that interaction that sort of brought it to my mind. And, and like I said, I, I looked at that response or that person and said, hmm, they could either be dead wrong or maybe they're a troll and they're just saying what everybody else thinks, but is afraid to say it, you know, or, or maybe they, people just pass over my art, but they don't know why. And that's the reason why. And this person was just bold enough to say it. 
So I, I started thinking, yeah, you're right. And, and the guy was actually really shocked. <laughs> he was really shocked that I, that I said that. But, but that started a pattern of thinking where I said, it was definitely too much technique-based. I hit that point where then I started saying, okay, I'm going to start exploring stuff that's on the other side of that. Because it's, it's interesting because it's almost like when a classical musician gets trained and, it's, and you're so saturated with technique for so long that then when you meet a blues musician who's bending the strings and doesn't even know what chord it is, you don't really know what to do with that. Like you, you look at it and, and you kind of think, man, I don't even know how to process that. Like, but then when I started looking at that and asking them how they do what they do and started learning from that side of things, then I started realizing, oh, this is, you can feel things a bit more. You can be a little bit more loose. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be. It's, and then I haven't been having clear ideas about what I was doing and I wasn't communicating with my art. You know, so anyways, that's been a really fun process to kind of move to what, I, what I'm seeing now as sort of the second level where I'm now going back to a more simple approach and focusing on the things that are the most important, not focusing on all the technique as much and all of that. So anyways, I still have to keep my technique in place, you know, but I feel like I have a more balanced approach with it now. So that's been a, a huge part of transitioning from sort of a beginning professional and then a, you know, mid-level professional to now, I think in maybe 10 or 15 years, I'll be doing work that people will really care about. So <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> or will it communicate, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping. So I, I'm inspired by listening to it. I, I mean, in terms of the singing, I'm thinking, ah, so in 10 years from now, if I'm singing like a couple minutes a day, that's going to be a small fraction of, of what you're putting in. But I see it as an inevitable, something I'll reach, assuming I keep up with it. Right. Oh, and also with the leadership. I mean, leadership to me is a performance art. Mm -hmm. So anyway, what does yeah. the environment mean to you? The environment is something you care about. Yeah. Um, when we talked about this before, I, at first, when you mentioned that, I thought, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I was surprised by it, I thought, I don't know. I know I like it, <laughs> but I wasn't sure. But the more I thought about it, I realized that I saw it as a solace or a retreat. I, and, and all the choices that I've made in my life kind of like for where, when I would go on vacation or when I would do certain things, they were my favorite times when it was quiet by myself. There wasn't concrete everywhere. There wasn't that sort of a thing. So it was sort of myself. My, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to Colorado up in the mountains. And that is like still etched in my mind. Like we spent some time in Hawaii. Her, her uncle had a house there and we were on Kauai and he had like a, he had bought property there like a long time ago and it went up in value. So he was able to move to a different house there that was sort of secluded. And so he let us stay there. And, and that was so amazing because it, it just being in the middle of all that nature. And, and it's very like the houses there are just, there's no AC. There's no, you just, it's literally, you just, it's like a box kind of his house was, and you're just in this box and the windows are open and you're just a part of it. And, and I loved that. And so that side of it to me, I, I realized that, that solace and that uh, sort of unplug, like the unplugging, I would always be going, I would always be uh, going to nature for that. But then when we started talking about it, I started realizing that that led me to thinking about the environment as sort of this separate thing. So I would think, well, my city, you know, where I'm at you know, is, is this, and then nature's over here and sort of creating that segmented view or the separated view of nature and not thinking to myself, well, this is nature. What's underneath my house, my house, like all this stuff, my street, this is nature. This is, and for you being in New York, you know, I would, if I was in New York, I wouldn't be thinking this is nature, but it is 
hundred percent it is. And so that was really interesting for me. And that sort of led me to think like, to, to say, I'm going to go even more centralized and I'm going to start walking around my neighborhood and picking up the trash in my neighborhood. So this can be my solace here and other, it can be a solace for other people here. And the park that we have like a tiny little park on our, our area with all of our houses and stuff like that. I can take care of that. I can foster that. I can, you know, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of things, ideas that I would have, but I started becoming more over the past week. Like I started thinking more centralized as opposed to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, I don't know, going and solving like toxic waste dumps or whatever. I'm just trying to start simple and, and think about it that way. But I don't want to go too far into that, but I think it, it, for me, nature is, and the environment is, is sort of that solace and that retreat and that clearing of my head. And I feel like I can't, when I'm in a city environment, I love visiting, but I feel like I can't breathe and I can't, there's too much. I feel like there's too much around me. So I, I feel like it's always been my retreat to go somewhere. I love sitting, sitting down and looking up at trees that are blowing in the wind. Like That is like one mm-hmm. of my favorite things of all time, just seeing that. And you're not hearing anything, no cars, no, you just see that and hear it. It's, I, I love that. So things like that. Can you put a, a name to the emotion? I don't know if it's solace. Yeah. When, so when you're in at the box in in mm-hmm. Hawaii or you're lying down looking up at the trees, when you're saying this is this is nature, right? What is it? What what do you feel? Yeah, I think I think I feel sort of at rest, like true rest and and uh, sort of a content, maybe a contentment. I think it could be that maybe. I'm trying to think of the right way to express it. Maybe it's a um satisfaction. Like it's like a satisfied feeling. Like I don't, I don't feel like I need anything else. I feel like that's, I'm full, I'm full up with what, and it's just, uh, you know, you know, like when you eat a good healthy meal and you've, you've eaten that meal and it just feels good. And then if you, the opposite is when you eat, you know, whatever, too much pizza or too much, like something like, you know, and you just are like, that it's like, that regret or that sort of, you just don't feel good. You feel, it just makes you feel like garbage. And so uh, it's the, it's that feeling of having a, like a good, satisfying meal that, you know, is not going to mess you up and you know, is good for you. And and it just was that, you know, probably those eggplants you were talking about, you know, that sort of thing. Like you just have that and, and that's that contentment or that, that satisfaction uh, whatever the emotion would be, not needing more, I, you know, that sort of a thing. Fulfillment? Yeah, fulfillment. I think that's, I think that's good. I think, yeah, fulfillment is good. It's really good. So fulfilled, satisfied. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so this is the, the next step is, is based on these feelings of fulfillment, of satisfaction, mm-hmm. is I invite you at your option to think of something for you to do to act on those feelings. And yeah. uh, you know this already, but I'll say it anyway, you know, not trying to fix the world. That's separate things. Right but just something new right. that you're doing yourself with some physical yeah. component, not just reading or yeah. you know, raising awareness, but actually doing something, something you're not already doing. Yeah. You up for coming up with something new? You've already picked up one on your own without even... I think based on you saying that fulfillment, I think I know what I want to do. Yeah. I think each day, I'm going to like for like, even, like the middle of my day. So I'm going to cut my day in half with this. So, cause I typically like, I, I'm an artist, but I have a lot of digital stuff and I have a lot of, like screens and like, you know, iPads, like drawing on them and like stuff like that. I have a lot of that stuff because of what I have to do for my art. It'd be really nice. Like after lunch to shut everything down, like literally hit the, the switch on everything in my room, mm-hmm. boom, turn it off, go outside and just sit at that park. There's a park right like near my house for this area and just sit there for 15 minutes and see what happens. 
if I find trash on the way, I'll do that. That'll be good too, mm-hmm. which there, I'm sure there will be. And, but just to sit there like, like that, that side, the fulfillment side, like sit there and soak that in rain, no rain, whatever, mm-hmm. just go out there and do it. You know, I visited Ireland. I was able to, to uh, present for this company schoolism at, in Ireland with a bunch of other artists. And they said to me, you know, Hey, we're going to this particular restaurant. You want to meet up? And they said, and I said, oh, I'm going to, I'll meet you guys there. And they said, what are you doing? It's, it was freezing and the rain was coming down and all of that in Ireland. And, and, uh, and I actually got splashed by a car when I, I said, I'm going to walk. I said, I'm going to walk. And they said, what? I said, guys, I said, this is Ireland, man. I said, it's cold. It's rainy. I said, look at all those people walking out there. I said, I want to experience Ireland the way that, you know, an Irish person would. I said, let's, I'm going to walk. And so it took me like 20 minutes to walk and they were like, you're crazy, man. Hmm. And so, uh, but I was able to talk to some people on the way and stuff, but that sort of feeling, I think, of sitting there and and whatever is there, I'm going to experience that and and do that. I think I would like to do that each day and cut that day in half and do it for a month. I think that'd be good, uh, regardless of it's cold, hot, whatever. It's going to get hot soon, probably, but <laughs> you know that'd be great. What do you think? What do you think about that? Well, it meets all the criteria. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's something you're not already doing. It's something that you're physically mm-hmm. doing yourself that you're not passing off to someone else there's a measurable result in that you're turning everything off. So that's going to use less, less power. Now, right. I think that the real value of it is in the doing. And as you said earlier, right. things will happen that you don't know that you, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe there's people there we're talking to, like I said, and I'm going to be conscious of this. Like when I'm walking to there, like I can help take care of that whole place. If there's trash there, if there's this, if there's that, all of that can be a part of it too, which is cool. You know, I'll be thinking about all that, but, but I, this will lead to other things. I'm sure, you know, I, I love it. Yeah, there'll also be, there'll be challenges of like, uh, your wife needs help with something at that time or your kids are, you know, some right. emergency, something comes up and you're like, how do right. I figure that out? Right. Sure. Sure. And that's fine. I mean, I, you know, like I said, even if I got to go out there at 12 PM or I mean, 12 AM, you know, in the morning and go sit up, whatever, I'll go do it. You know, <laughs> people will be like, that's weird. You know, my neighbors, but I'm like, <laughs> Hey, I'll risk. They already probably think I'm creepy. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. No, but that, see, that's the fun part. That's the cool part. That's the part that I'm so attracted to is that is having to problem solve. And then, and then, and then realizing when you do prioritize this and I'm like, man, I wouldn't have found, I wouldn't have talked to this person or I wouldn't have found this massive piece of trash that maybe, a, you know, that this dog would have ended up eating or like, or whatever, you know, I mean, there's, any number of things that will come up because I do this, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I love it, man. I love it. I love these challenges. Would you have said that, what you just said now, what you love about it, would you have said that before you started the artist journey? Oh man, you know, I don't think so. Do you know what I would have said? Probably. I think I would have probably said, I, I don't know. I probably would have had nothing to say. I, I think I would have felt I would have felt like I would probably given you an answer that you that I thought you wanted to hear. I think that's probably what I would have done. I would have probably just if I'm being honest, like I probably would have said something like searching for something that you'd want to hear and probably tell you that instead of just being straight up and and honest and <laughs> I mean for me, to be honest about it that's probably what I would It's funny <laughs> making me think of guests that I've had where they're like I'm like how did the thing go and they're like oh it's great I get this and that I'm like I can tell they didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell they yeah. do it like two days out of, out of two weeks. And right. Because they'd be like, Oh, it was crazy. This thing happened. And, and this, and they would be telling you, they'd have all sorts of stories if they, you know, yeah. yeah. The details is what, yeah. That's where it comes out. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. I don't think people know that like you have to reinflate the tires when you go outside. 
Right. That's the sort of thing. It's inevitable, I guess, if you do it. I, I haven't ridden a bike in minus 40 weather. Right. <laughs> How awesome for his students, too. What an example for his students. You know, when they look at him and they say, he, well, you know, the principal, you know, he, he it was the principal, I think you said, right? Yeah. He, he rides to school every day, you know, on his bike. And, and so when he tells them, and this is like through the leadership, like you were mentioning, then when he tells them, hey, just, you know, buckle down and you can do this, you can achieve it. And he has more credence to say that because he's leading from the front. He's not saying, you go do this and I'm just going to sit back here. He's doing it. And even if it's something small, he's like, look, I rode my bike every day. You can bring your grade up a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I rode my bike every day. Trust me, I had to, you know, you can do your, uh, whatever you need to do in school, or you can think better about yourself, or you can help someone else, or you can, you know, I mean, there's a number of different things. Like, so I think he's primed for leadership in that situation. And so I have a feeling that my wife, and I'm going back and forth about going down to that park and doing that. And I'm, I might just not say anything and see if they start coming with me. Because oh, I have a uh-huh. feeling my kids might start coming with me. They might see it and say, where's he going? You going to the park? I was like, going to the park. And I'm, if I see trash along the way and I'll get, and they're like, I want to go. They might, I bet you, I'm, I bet you they'll start. I, I won't say anything and I'll just start doing it okay. and I'll see what happens. Because I think that'll be interesting. Cool. Now, I, so, okay. After we stop recording, we'll, we'll set mm-hmm. the date for a month from now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap up this time. I didn't realize, I, and look, yeah. we've been on for a long time and I hope that doesn't Sorry. mean people looked at the time and thought, oh, it's too long, I don't want to listen. Because <laughs> for me, this is like, time has just flown by. Yeah, I, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm definitely a, my wife has to elbow me a lot and be like, hey, this person wants to leave and you're not picking up on it. So I'm that kind of person where I talk, talk, talk. So I apologize, I, I go on and on. I love it though. Well, I I'm having this. a good time and I'm hoping that people listening are picking up the opposite of the main view that I get of like, like my mom's like, Oh, obviously you don't like to do it. It's good that you're doing it. And you're making the sacrifice for everybody else. There's no sacrifice. <laughs> right. Right. And then, it, and it's like we talked about before when my wife was helping me, you know, start to eat better and exercise. It's everybody thinks I'm the one suffering, like you said. And yet like they see me working out or they see me doing something. They're like, wow, that looks hard or whatever. And you don't look like you're comfortable. I'm like, I'm not comfortable when I'm doing that, but I would never go back to what I was before. I would never go back to feeling lethargic, horrible all the time, eating doof like you uh-huh. <laughs> you're mentioning the doof. Totally. I I mean, my favorite peanut butter is when you go to the store and it's like peanut butter. Yeah. It says peanuts. You know, it's like peanuts. This has. Pe- I'm like, why does it need to be anything else but peanuts? It's peanut butter. I'm like, I don't just smash some peanuts. Like I don't get it. <laughs> you know. So I'm totally with you on that. And I would never go back to being like, well, I want the peanut butter and the jelly in the same jar, you know, that whatever one that is and, yeah. and put sugar on it and put like, ugh, like that's, you know, to me now that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I, I told my friend too, I said, listen, he was talking about something. I said, look, I said, you cannot eat broccoli for six months. I said, and you go back to eat broccoli. I was like, your body's not going to have a violent reaction. I said, if you go off fast food, I said, if you're addicted to fast food, you go off it. And you come back to fast food after six months of eating clean. I said, you will be a mess. I said, that should show you something. I said, you can, you know, it, that shows you that your body doesn't like it. Your body really doesn't like it. And it's not, ugh, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like. Imagine to- if you did it now. I sometimes think about those snodges of Hanover's pretzels that I used to love or Ben and Jerry's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's no way I would eat it now. Right. I mean, maybe gun to the head I would, but right. I, I would be like, <laughs> I can't imagine 
how it would make my mouth feel and how right. <laughs> I would feel like, I think it would, you know, not having kids, I can't say for sure. I feel like it would be like, give my kids, oh, I guess give my kids the stuff, give my kids Coca-Cola. I mean, like it feel like putting Coca-Cola right. in the bottle with a nipple and giving that to yes. a toddler. And the kid would yes. probably be like, mm, so sweet. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know what? It's interesting because you, you have to struggle with that as a parent because, and I try to, I try to, you know, explain to the kids, like, like trying to, I try to explain to them, like, look, this is what's in this. So like, it's not just about me making you suffer or making you, you know, and, and teaching them that my, that mentality, like destroying your body with garbage, like, does it, it's, it's, you may think it feels good. It doesn't trust me. Mm -hmm. And then when you're for, even if you're doing it selfishly, when you're like 40 or 50 and your teeth are having issues and you're like obese and you're like, you're, you're, you're really going to not like it then, you know? And then you're going to say for sure, it wasn't worth it. You know, although there are some people that probably still feel it is, but anyways, that's it. I, trying to pass on that mentality to them, you know, is interesting. It's an interesting process because they're just forming all of those opinions now and try and and they will if you just feed them that like the things that if you just feed them sugar or just feed them something like that and even if you just their day-to-day schedule if you were just to let them watch tv all day like they'll just do it they'll just consume and it just becomes like a pattern and a cycle and it's hard for them when they're with young minds when they're looking around at their other friends who are are doing those things and and we're not like i mean i'm not like a military I'm not like militaristic about it or anything like that. I just try to sit down and explain to them like why certain, like why playing Fortnite like 20 hours a day is not good. You know, I just try to explain to them, you know what I mean? Like why, what that's going to end up with and what that does to you and what it, yeah. So, but it is, it is interesting because it forces me and my wife to be consistent. And like you said before, out of leadership, because I can't be doing all that garbage and doing all that and, and then expect them not to do it, you know? So it, it makes me bring my A game, you know, <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> now, I want to keep going. And instead, I'm going to say uh, anything to wrap up with. Uh, I mean, we'll talk again. So no, yeah. no big finale, but uh, anything that comes to mind to say to the listeners before we wrap up? Oh, man, just, you know, don't like don't make excuses, I guess. Like that's kind of like like if you've got something that you want to pursue or you're something you're passionate about and it's worthwhile, you you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Start taking steps. That's like one of the biggest things is if you want to draw, sit down with the sketchbook tonight and just start drawing. If you want to sing, go outside and sing. If you want to go sit in the park and, or if you want to do something for the environment, just go do something. Just get to it and just start. Just start. Just start. It's just like exercising. Once you get started on exercising, it's not so bad. You know, it's, it's the thought of exercising and like trying to figure out the schedule. You know, if, if everybody said, you know what, I should exercise. And the second they started, they thought that they started doing jumping jacks, they, they'd be okay. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, then they'd figure out the rest. So I, I, you know, just get, start taking steps and stop. Uh, what you said was so good. I'm totally going to use that. Like, don't let the addiction speak for you. Don't let the addiction speak for you. Face whatever it is that you, that whatever's being brought in front of you, face it, make your decision of whether you're going to, you know, make a change and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be major. You don't have to save the world. Don't have to, you know, just start heading in that direction. That's, that's what I would say. That's, that's doable. That's something that's doable, you know? And, and I think that's, 
practical. So, <laughs> well, Jonathan Hardesty, thank you very much. I look forward to talking again in a month. I mean, you and I might talk earlier before sure. we record, but I look forward to hearing how it goes after a month. Absolutely, man. This is awesome. This has been great. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And thank sorry you. if I was if I talked too much. You know, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks. Could you tell how much fun we had? Could you tell how much I learned about self-expression and personal growth from looking at what I do from an artistic perspective? What for me is an accessible, because of his video, it's so accessible where he began and how far he went. I don't think I'm fooling myself to think that acting in stewardship, in service to others, is a performance art that one can do with sensitivity, nuance, subtlety, personal discovery, and what other performance arts bring also. I hope that approaching mastery through his video, which seems accessible since many of us can draw like he used to, makes it more accessible in revealing where you can go, how far you can go, if you keep at it. I hope you don't feel like, like my mom does, that I'm saying that I like this suffering, that the joy, community, connection, I'm making that up. It comes from mastering any field, as does self-awareness, communication, meaning, purpose. And I look forward to hearing, given what he learned from his art, what he finds from going to the park. So we'll hear in a month. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. 